2: In the final edition of TV Black Box for 2020, Seven's big launch plans for 2021 revealed. But has someone let the cat out of the bag too early? The breakfast battle hots up as hosts jostle for interviews and the rating spin begins. And the TV reboot no-one asked for. Welcome to the podcast where people in the TV industry get their news.
0: This is TV Black Box... Bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry.
2: Well, hello and welcome to the final TV black box podcast for 2020. Yes, all your dreams are coming true. We're going to shut our mouths for seven weeks. Joining me for the very last time this year is none other than Sarah Monahan. Hello, Shrimp Tank.
0: Yes, I get to sleep in every Monday for the next seven weeks. No more 3.30 in the morning for me.
2: How great uh, is that? We'll be changing that within seven weeks. Uh, hello, Mogg, Steve Mog, how are you, sir? Look, it's great to be joining you for the final time this year, Rob. Indeed, and Benjamin J. Norris is his name on Twitter. You can call him Ben. Hello, Ben.
3: <laughs> Hi, Rob, how are you going? Sounds really formal. <laughs>
2: it does. And joining us tonight is the producer and writer of the TV Black Box podcast, Abby Mickelson. She's also got a podcast called Playing It by Ear. It's a fabulous podcast, actually. And she's also a producer on the Ben Robin Robbo show. Hello, Abby. You're not busy enough, it would seem.
4: Hello, no. Thought I'd jump on here for the last episode. Probably the <laughs> last one I'll ever be invited back onto. But...
2: Yes, well, I, I, I've got to say, I didn't really seem to have much of a choice in the matter. No, never do. Point of
4: order, Mr McKnight, Um, we have a
1: writer... Yes. (laughs)
2: Yes. <laughs> yes, it's me. Abby Abby has taken over the scripting for me. It's been fabulous.
3: You're welcome. People don't know that it's scripted. I keep saying this to people. I'm like, oh, Abby, she scripts some of the content on TV Black Box and, they, and, and someone who scripts some of the content on the Ben Robin Robbo show. And people are like, what? I just thought this all flew out of Rob McKnight's ass. No. <laughs>
2: the, the intros are scripted. Everything else comes out of my ass because I talk through my ass a lot. But the. Yes, sorry to break down the fourth wall, everybody. The intros to each news item are
3: scripted. Yeah, we put a lot of effort into what we say, which is kind of shocking to other people. But <laughs> Maybe at- I read it so badly they assume that I'm just ad-libbing as
2: I go. Gosh.
3: Abby does a Gosh. great job. You do a fantastic job. We're very appreciative. And I think it's Thank fantastic you. that you are joining us because I think you could easily supersede us at some point because listening to your podcast there's a lot of good value in it. And I think you sound amazing on that show. So I'm kind of jealous. Oh, thanks, Ben. Y-
2: no, I seriously, Playing It By Ear is the podcast. It, it focuses on music. It is a really good podcast podcast Abby and I'm so sorry that I sound surprised by that. I know, I don't know
4: whether that's a compliment or not the first thing you said to me you were like, I mean this nicely, but I was pleasantly surprised by your podcast. It's
1: like all right, I'll take right Abby, it. he says that about the rest of us every yeah. week.
3: I'm just hoping the popularity of your podcast Ricochet's back to me because I even had people on Twitter writing to me saying how good the podcast is oh. and I've got nothing to do with it. So, look, we've given it enough of a plug, but it's we definitely have. worth Thank people you. checking. Definitely worth people checking out. Yes, playing it
2: by ear, find it in your favourite podcast feed. Let's get into the news stories of the week. And it looks like Seven's sales department has revealed a bit too much information about their 2021 plans. An email sent out to advertisers revealed, holy moly, will launch week commencing 31 of January. But programming and publicity are refusing to confirm that information. Considering there is a big bash semi final on the 31st, the most likely date is Monday, February 1. Mock, this is an interesting move by seven considering the Australian Open is likely to be played from February 8. Yeah,
1: the, the thing that we've learnt in television is that a, uh, a complete lack of confirmation or denial usually means it's correct. Yeah, uh, that's right. <laughs> it, it's an interesting play, and look, fair enough too, because uh, that week commencing 31 January is the week before ratings start. Now, we know, of course, all of the TV networks tell us that they programme for 48 or 50, whatever bullshit. Um, uh, really, it's about the 40 ratings weeks until they abandon that. That's what counts. So to have Holy Molly land a week before, would be something they'd be keen to get some traction on, particularly as the Oz Open moves, in theory, entirely into the ratings year, which would be a ratings boon to start nine's year off, admittedly delaying Merritt at first sight, but I think two weeks of the tennis in ratings can only be a good thing. So seven are absolutely keen to make sure that Holy Molly is front and centre, that people are keen to check that out and, and would see that as an alternative to nights of... Ugh!
2: <laughs> very very true it's interesting we'll talk more about the tennis in a bit and what that means for nine but Sarah um holy moly is a big show for seven it's not unusual to launch a little bit before ratings but to be taking on the might of the Australian Open you get one week's grace basically you've seen Holy moly in the states will it pay off for seven do you think
0: um maybe I mean it's a different sport yeah it was wasn't it
2: the higher the pitch the more doubt you've got (laughs) I it just you know like
0: I'm not a sports person and so I just don't really watch any of them but holy moly I would watch even though I'm not into sports because it's not really sports it's just fun yeah so I think anyone who you know is trying to compromise like look I totally watched a sports thing um will watch holy moly whereas they might not watch anything else
2: Um, how is it though, Abby, when you've got the sales department (laughs) drumming up business a little bit too early and putting emails out about your launch plans for 2021?
4: Yeah, look, it's not the smartest move. I think we know everything leaks these days. So, but I don't understand why they won't just confirm it. What, like Malk said, if you don't confirm or deny, it's basically a confirmation. Do not just kind of take it for what it is. Use that to drum up the publicity a little bit. I just, I don't understand this refusal to comment.
0: Like maybe it's a feeler thing. Like, you know, sometimes when they accidentally leak names of, you know, contestants on TV shows, because that way they can gauge the reaction of if everyone's like, yeah, or no, and then they decide whether they want that person or not.
2: I think it's a stuff up. I think sales thought they were right to put it out there to advertisers and programming weren't ready for it. I I think there's been a miscommunication somewhere. Ben, 10 go big with the Gen 3 launch of I'm a Celebrity. We've known that date for a long time. It's been in promos for a long time. I agree with Abby that 7 should just own it, shouldn't they?
3: Yeah, but I don't think they need to. Like as in, you know, why do they need to clarify this to anyone? I mean, we pretty much already are ready to assume and that's actually what it's going to play out to be. And I think it's a really smart move because everyone i know who have seen any footage of holy molly says it's a massive success and that the belief in the industry at the moment from what i know is that it's going to do bigger numbers than the very first season of ninja warrior for 9 um, and it's a i big also call. Heard- Heard a lot of people talking about this being Channel 7's Lego Masters. So I, I could not be more excited about this show. There's been some interesting things in the press about people being heard on the show, but I just genuinely think this is going to pay off, and I'm I'm excited.
2: Actually, I think you're right. I think the mishaps and the press that the show has received um, pre the actual airing so far in advance has all been a good thing. It's like when we were talking about Big Brother in the lead-up to that revived series this year. And the fact is, it all builds anticipation. It all builds, oh, what's this show about? I keep hearing about it, so it's going to pay off, perhaps, for Channel 7. But let's turn to Channel 9, who are furious with the behaviour of Sunrise reporter Sam Mack. After both Sunrise and today, were covering the first plane arrivals from Sydney to Brisbane when the border reopened. Aslan Kukellis was reporting for Today and multiple times Sam jumped into her shot or stepped between her and the flight passenger she was interviewing. He made a jovial claim like she's getting all the good interviews before doing so. Seven told TV Blackbox that there was no malice and Sam Mack was just trying to be funny. However, insiders were critical of him not following standard protocols. Okay, Abby, was this rude or just a bit of fun?
4: It was just a bit of fun. I think anyone interpreting any malice in this has got it completely wrong. She was having fun. The coverage on both Sunrise and the Today Show had the similar vibe and similar tone. It was all fun. The borders reopening and coronavirus is a much bigger thing than some network rivalry. He posted a photo of the two of them on Twitter the other day, basically saying that people needed to lighten up and that it's just TV. And I agree. I just I didn't see the problem with this at all. I thought it was good for both of their shows.
2: Well, Nine wasn't happy. That's the simple fact. Everyone can go on that we're doing a beat-up and the media's doing a beat-up, but Nine were not happy about this. Insiders were saying to me that, you know, there's usually a thing where you try to stay out of each other's shots. He was deliberately stepping inside his shot. And I think what it comes down to... Ben is the simple fact it's two different styles of reporting you have a news presenter there that yes she's doing light on on this kind of thing talking to people for a long period of time as those passengers came out and you've got Sam Mack who's used to being funny but you know when does his funny for his show um destroy the product that today are trying to get for their show
3: well, you're absolutely, you know, hitting the nail on the head. And I spoke to Sam uh, during the week and had a great chat with him about it. He was simply doing his job. He was being an entertainment reporter. The product turned out really fun for his brand and his network. It looked great on Channel 7. I watched it. I actually think Sam did a great job. But that's and great. It was what what of, does it do for Channel 9? Well... Work harder, Channel 9. Like, <laughs> try and do a better job. the end of the day, they managed to get great content for his program. It was entertaining. And what Sam said to me, which I thought was really interesting, was that Channel 7 were really happy with it And Channel 9 were just being sore losers When I've done live shows And I've been on live programming I I hosted a live finale of Big Brother with Sonia Kruger Where I had an audience to interact with I had a former housemate to be doing it with And I was a little bit competitive You know, I kind of pushed hard To make sure the content I turned in Was entertaining for the viewer And Funny wins the race And that's what happened Sure, we're
2: all competitive I've been out on location when it's been, uh, I've been with Sunrise, and I was up against Nine, and I would do things to make sure we had the talent and all the interviews. But I didn't get in their shots. And the thing about this is, I remember when a Current Affair stormed up to Koshy and Mel outside Martin Place and started harassing them about an a Current Affair story, like they were doing some story for a Current Affair. Seven was accused of something. It had nothing to do with Sunrise, and it was appalling behaviour. And uh, I've got to say. Seven didn't like that. Nine don't like this. Abby, I know you wanted to jump in and say something. I'm really on the fence of this, I've got to say, because I like Sam Mack. I like what he does. But I don't know if he has the right to decide what Channel 9 do with their product.
4: I get your point about whether he has the right or not, but Channel 9's product ended up fine. He didn't ruin anything. It was actually more fun. He literally
2: walked into her shots. He took interviews away. Mike Goldman came out and started talking to her and Sam Mack goes up and says, hey, you're Channel 7 and basically takes him away. Yeah, She and was, it was live on air.
4: It was hilarious viewing for both networks. Both of the products ended up fine. They interviewed each other. It was hilarious. It was a It was hilarious
2: of... for Channel 7's viewers.
4: No, Channel 9 No, it 9 was had... fine on Channel yeah. 9 as well. The Today Show and Sunrise have very, a very similar market. That's why they're such competitors. People who found it funny on Channel 7 also would have found it funny on Channel 9.
2: And, and by fine. the way, I just want to say I, I agree there was no malice here. Absolutely no malice. Sam Mack is a good guy and... I just don't know, Mark. I just don't know.
1: I, I think we can all agree that um, it's not journalism. So by in saying that, it's yeah. not someone standing out the front trying to get a very serious interview with, you know, the important story person of the day. It's the Sunrise Weather Girl and uh, today's Queensland reporter. Yeah, sits, who
2: is a journalist?
1: Sure, who was absolutely. being a journalist? She is a journalist but not doing journalism, right? Yes, she was. Interviewing she was... people.
2: No, that's not. That's an unfair statement.
1: Interviewing people in this instance, neither of them were journalisming. All right, interviewing people (laughs) getting off a plane, (laughs) flying into Queensland. There's not journalism that's how you're in Queensland yeah, most of the people
3: went yes. into such a dangerous zone here because like what you want to what you my friend classify as journalism is really different it's kind of a little bit in the eye of the beholder you know at the end of the day they are journalists they both have a degree they both do it tried to do a good job in a different kind of classification and it was on brand for Sam Mack and it was probably less on brand for her but as Abby clearly said they both interviewed each other and it was fun. The final product That's was fun. fun.
2: She's got a part of that narrative and a part of control of that narrative. But she was trying to be a journalist and do. You can you can make a judgment call editorially about whether it was worthy of being covered and the way they covered it. But she was out there trying to do her job as a journalist, and sure. she got ambushed on air. And and to be honest, the more we talk about this. The more I'm erring on the side that I just don't think it was good form on Sam's part to be literally walking into her shot and taking over interviews that she was midway doing.
1: I think it's an overreaction given the nature of the story they were covering, because they're both standing in places honestly where they shouldn't have been. Let people get off the damn plane. They were standing right near the door entry to the bloody gangway half the time because they're trying to one up each other and get the people as they came off the plane. Um, There was a lot going on, right? They didn't need to be as close as they were. They were edging closer so that they got the chance to get in ahead of each other. And that's part of the, let's call it the fun of trying to cover the story. Because again, it's not rocket surgery. This is people getting off a plane, coming into Queensland, who haven't been able to come into Queensland for some months, right? Who gives a crap? Um, The stuff that I thought that happened around this actually that has got no airtime and both shows covered it was there was a a family being reunited with their dad, right? Cool. They hadn't seen dad in a few months for reasons of coronavirus. They embrace. Amazing. There is media everywhere around them. There is a press photographer standing behind them, tapping them on the shoulder, trying to get them to stop
2: hugging and turn and face him so that he can get the shot. That is outrageous behaviour. I I agree with that, and that was all caught live. I think that was on the Today Show camera. That was caught live, and that was an outrageous moment because he was on the wrong side of that moment while all the other press were capturing it. He was behind it and trying to get them to stop and turn around. And that was way, I agree with you. It was an appalling, appalling moment. So everything let's else end that on happened that was a
1: bit of fun and craziness, and it's like breakfast television. And
2: honestly, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Alright, we know Channel 9 have been the big winners of the ratings year, but the Today Show in particular has released some pretty impressive stats. While Sunrise can lay claim to being Australia's number one breakfast show, Channel 9 say they are the number one breakfast show across the five-city metro with people aged 16 to 39. That's a rise of 51.6% year-on-year they won 20 weeks in the 40 week official survey calendar in that demo. They are also the number one breakfast show in southeast Queensland, number one in Melbourne for 25 to 54s and that is up 10.7% in total people year on year. Uh, Sarah, they're impressive numbers. We know it's all about spin, but demos are important. The networks do talk about demos. But why? Like what does a demo prove? All right, well, we had Michael Stevenson from Nine on last week or the week before who specifically said when I asked about this focusing on demos, he said an advertiser has never given him a brief for total people. It's always been about what demo they're chasing for what the for whatever they're advertising. So, we still tend to talk total people because they're the biggest numbers, but We are in Mm -hmm. the age now where the networks really are selling themselves on demos, whether it be under 50s for 10, 25 to 54 for seven and um, nine. Now, the big question here is, Sarah, what do they continue to sell themselves up? They still put press releases out touting all people when they get 1.2 million for a finale of The Block or something like that. Is it time that they put up or shut up and say, we're only going to talk in the demo we're chasing, i.e., 25 to 54 so that would mean is there a changing in the narrative of which is the number one breakfast show when you're just looking at 25 to 54s
0: i think they're always going to spin it to however it looks
2: best for them it doesn't matter <laughs> yes well that's 100 true that is 100 true but Malk, what do we take from these figures is it spin or is it worthy of discussion
1: oh, i think it's reasonable to look at a couple of the 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 claims that they've made. And look, there's no question I echo Sarah's words. The PR Jedi's are employed to work very hard to turn numbers into things that make them sound like they were amazing. Um, and that's the nature of press releases, right? When you get them from a network, that's what it tells us. That that today, one, um, southeast Queensland, one, Brisbane, is a huge coup in no small part to the fact that they had Tim, their weather bloke, um, traipsing around Queensland during lockdown because they managed to get in before the Queensland government shut Beautiful it down. Beautiful piece of timing. Uh, and so they had all of Queensland to themselves. So it was marvellous to get... To, now, it did mean he was away from home for four months or something, um, living on per diems, but...
2: Think of the per diems. Yeah.
1: Think that's of the, the, per diems. Nature of, the nature of television, right? <laughs> uh, but And well done to them. And the effort put in paid off, right? It's also a really, really critical year, given that today we're trying to rebuild this year with Carl and Ali as their hosts, after last year's situation, after the year before's situation, right? Today we've laboured that absolutely to death. The other one I think that's worthy of taking note of is their win five city metro so all five capital cities in that 16 to 39 demographic because that is the next generation dare i say it of breakfast television watches so to have them engaging and wanting to check it out now means that they are tomorrow's viewers of today today um <laughs> the 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 bigger part of this, I think, is is it's kind of twofold. We know that Sunrise have won everything this year, and congratulations to to that team, to Michael Pell and his crew, because they've worked their butts off to maintain that. There is no question. Um, the fact that we are two segments deep and we're still talking about breakfast television shows in part the, the stranglehold that it has on the nature of television narrative and what plays out. Yeah. The challenge for Poor Old Seven is that despite their press release saying that Sunrise has again finished the year unbeaten, that's incorrect because we know that ABC Breakfast beat them um, two days after the the American election when everybody tuned in to watch ABC Breakfast to get those results and to find out what was happening. But doesn't know, Doesn't
2: that mean that they're unbeaten for the year? OK, you might take one day out of the scenario, but they haven't lost a week.
1: Uh, well, again, how do you want to spin the numbers, Rob? If they talk about an unbeaten run without claiming that it's for a week or for whatever, that's not the case. They have been beaten now. Not for a week. They haven't been beaten all year. They've been beaten once. And they were resting very heavily on the fact that Sunrise has not been beaten in a morning for it's nearly three years. Like, it's that kind of you know, legacy that they're trying to protect. So, yes, they haven't been beaten in a week, and good on them. That's part of what Sunrise are trying to do and the hurdle that today has to overcome. Um, I'm really keen to see how this conversation around total people versus demographics plays out because it's very, 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 very easy for for people like us and for other lazy journalists to uh, just talk about the total people number because it's easy to say. Yeah, you know, across the nation, here's how many people watch this show. If we start having to explain what um you know the sixteen to thirty nine demo is, all of those sorts of things, most people just go, who gives a crap?
2: Well that's that's true, but Mulk, here's the thing. The networks have to stop having a go at us for talking all people if they're still putting out press releases touting those numbers stick to 25 to 54 or under 50s and say we were number one in 25 to 54 with 436,000 viewers.
1: Sure, but you know? they're damned if the- they do and damned if they don't, right? If they put out a press release that says that we've won, like if today led with we are the number one breakfast show age 16 to 39, all you would hear from but Channel that's not 7 their core is demo. blah, blah, blah. They are playing for all the demos. There is no one core demo. The only person that is, only team that's playing for a core demo is Channel 10, who have made up a demo to suit that's themselves. That's not true.
2: Both 7 and 9 say their core demo is 25 to 54. They play for all the demos. In fact, Channel 9 play for grocery buyers with children that 7 Go is not a thing. I, I, I understand that. But the fact is, officially, they play for 25 to 54. And the fact is, when you look at any ratings night... Mm and look at the 25 to 54s, on a show that might get 800,000, you're talking about 600 or 500,000. It's not sexy if
1: you can't say a million viewers, is it? Correct. So that's that's the problem. And... and Over the last 20 years, the media have been weaned onto this idea of having a look at Total People, Total People. Every number has been shrinking. Every number has been shrinking. Mm. So if we're going to start to lean into a segmented version of Total People, we're getting really caught in a mix where no-one is going to care except the complete TV nerds and the PR Jedis.
2: Absolutely. Well, look, in what is apparently exciting news for Heartbreak High fans, the young adult drama is making its comeback. More than 20 years after it was axed, The reboot with a whole new cast will debut on Netflix in 2022. Netflix's director of originals in Australia has said we haven't had an unwholesome, rebellious Australian young adult series on screen since the original. It is for the young people in Australia today and also for the 90s kids. Fremantle Australia will produce the eight-episode series with production in Sydney. Oh, Ben. Netflix, one of the biggest streamers in the world, with billions of dollars behind it, comes up with this shite. I was a big wow. heart- I was a big wow. Heartbreak High fan. I watched it every week back in the day. But Jesus Christ, it isn't if you think of your top 20 favorite TV shows, with some people's exceptions, the majority of Australia, Heartbreak High Heartbreak High isn't going to be in there. It was different then because it had diverse you know, an ethnic cast. Every production has that now. What is going to make this different? This seems like the most boring. I, I, I have nothing but contempt for this commission.
3: <coughs> Sorry, I was, like, shocked that you finally finished talking about <laughs> Heartbreak High so negatively. Uh, I'm... I just... The heartbreak here is your response, Rob, because this show does deserve to be re-looked at. I mean, even in the press release, we need to represent real people on television, and this show doesn't need to be called Heartbreak High. It needs to be a good quality program that represents diversity amongst all of the areas that are not being represented on television. And this is a perfect opportunity for the Australian writers who are doing an exceptionally good job in drama like Wentworth. Wentworth is a rebooted prisoner and prisoner is if it was just to be duplicated, would not have worked. However, the writing on that show is so amazing. And that is where I think we're gonna see the writing with Heartbreak High coming in with an eight episode series. And that is some and that is some really good storytelling. Do you know what? It is really disappointing that in that press release they are accurate and saying that we haven't talked about this niche of people who deserve to be written about in our country. What's happening in schools right now, people are out of touch with what's happening in schools because we're not necessarily delving into it. And it's a rich and cultural environment that deserves to be on television.
2: Got no problem with that about a high school drama, but what is going to be different about this one? I, I, ju- I just don't know. I don't know why this is up. Why I'm feeling this way about this commission? I, I just... It's because
0: you're too old now.
2: <laughs> Maybe <laughs> this is it. Terrible. Is it's a, you're, you're too to old now? because think about. Hang like, on, they like, said it's the... for '90s kids. I'm a '90s kid. I watched Heartbreak yeah. High. I watched the Heartbreak Kid and Heartbreak High in the day. I'm going to say you're more of an '80s kid. Late '80s, late '80s, early '90s. Okay, so you've got Degrassi, you've got, you know, which
0: was back in the day and it's made a comeback. You've got Sex Education. You've got all these shows, and Australia doesn't really have one right now. Every other country is either rebooting or doing a new version of a high school show. And so Australia doesn't currently have one. And it's great for the industry in Australia because you've got a bunch of young people who are now going to get work like they did in the original They'll be on Netflix, so they'll be exposed to a worldwide audience. I think even if you don't love the concept of the show, I think it's amazing for the actors and for the industry itself.
2: Because Sure, but I loved the show in the 90s. I just don't see what the hook is in 2022 bringing it back.
0: Well, maybe they just haven't told you yet. Maybe it'll <laughs> still be, you know, it, there's something in there that'll be good and you just, you'll just you just have to wait and see. I mean, Abby, Let's be fair,
1: we have nothing more other than the announcement that they're planning to reboot it in 2022. Right, so there's we don't have a story, we don't have a script editor, we don't have writers, we don't have a cast, we have nothing. We have an idea of a show that was being rebooted. That's it.
3: Malk, you said some really valid things earlier today when we were discussing this, and that is that the reflection online at the moment is extremely positive. If you read the mm. comments about this being rebooted, that is popularity at its best. And I know that Twitter is not the vox pop anything. for the world. Channel Ten it is does. number
2: one on. Facebook and Twitter every time they have a program and they're number four in the ratings.
3: This is a good opportunity. I think Mulk raised some really good points earlier today, and I think that they needed to be re highlighted. And that is that I think you're sitting on the other side of the popular response of it the popular response on this show coming back. And that is that people want to see Heartbreak High coming back. They want to see what that looks like. What in are you 20- basing that on twenty two? You've
2: decided that people want to see it.
3: Because I read the internet, I I go and do the research. The research on this show is extremely positive. Mulk, please back me up on the fact that you, in your own sphere, your own bubble, Mulk, has also witnessed the popularity of this show being rebooted. It's getting a big thumbs up online.
1: In in the 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 people that I engage with on social media, not just Twitter, on all of the platforms, uh, all three of them um, that I'm on, absolutely the overwhelming response has been. We're stoked that Heartbreak High is coming back as me. Great. I did have a conversation with somebody late this afternoon that said I was a, a, a script editor or part of the writing team and that they were concerned that here we are just bringing something back without with without giving um, uh, people with new ideas a chance to give them oxygen and to get their yes. place. And look, I completely understand that. That is... Uh, 100% a concern around how we pitch and what we do and all of those sorts of things. And there's lots of incubators and opportunities that have been set up to provide opportunities for those kinds of situations. For this to come back, um, I think it would be a massive misstep if they just go, and now here's Heartbreak High all grown up. No. Like, that. all that would have is the You have raised
2: the perfect, perfect reason here. Where is our version? Where is our crown? You know, where is our big new I'll tell you where our version of The Crown
1: is. It's on Netflix right now. It's called The Crown, Rob.
2: I'm talking about Australia's production. Do we have to just serve up the same old shit? You know, Australia, we basically, what are our streamers serving up to us in Australia? The only things being commissioned are dramas that don't get any traction whatsoever outside their publicity realms and comedy specials. Like, seriously, is this what we're... You know, like, where's our big thought bubble drama like The Crown is what I'm trying to say. What Australian product is going to go gangbusters around the world? Let me tell you right now, it is not a remake of a 90s show called Heartbreak High. Abby, you have been trying to get in forever. You're on.
4: Thank you. Um, So in the release they did say they wouldn't... It wouldn't be the same cast, so it would be a whole new cast. So I, here's my thing. I think it might shock you I was actually not born when Heartbreak High <laughs> premiered. So I don't know what the hook of that original show was either, but I think this is going to be a whole new drama. There might be kind of some throwback nostalgia to what it was, but with a whole new cast, it's essentially just a new Australian drama. So Sometimes
0: they just use the same name
2: just because it's got the remembrance thing, but there's nothing about it.
4: Yes, they want to get the people who used to watch Heartbreak High on board with it.
2: Yes, but its original purpose, it was showing us a slice of life that had never been portrayed on Australian television before. We saw characters from ethnicities that weren't on television before. They weren't part of our conversation. It was a revolution when it first launched. What is its point of difference? What is its selling point now? They haven't sold me on that, and maybe this will be the best they drama haven't of the year. have written it. <laughs> yeah, oh because my it's duplicated. So, so, so there you go, Malk. This show has been commissioned without an idea behind it. I'm sure there's an idea.
1: It's an updated version of Heartbreak That's Eye. not an
3: idea. That conversation has extended Holy three shit. times. This is a really good opportunity. Like, you know, if you're talking about the conversation that Heartbreak High had in the 90s I would really like to see what that looks like in 2020. Mm. And then, Rob, when you talk about Australian drama and other opportunities, Total Control, which was originally going to be called Black Bitch, I think, you know, was a really great quality drama that was written extremely well. Did it get the viewers? No, it didn't really. So, look, there are shows of the writing and the production calibre of The Crown here in this country, but I do think there's a niche that's absolutely missing, and that is to talk about young people in schools. And I guarantee you, if we're trying to attract young people, That is how to do it. Represent people on television. I look forward to being proven wrong
2: on this one. I really do. I look forward to being proven wrong and we'll have to wait two years to find out if I am.
4: I want to watch a draft, like a gritty, they said it was like, what was the word they used to describe what? Unwholesome. I want to watch a gritty, unwholesome show about teenagers. Flawed characters. Flawed yeah. characters. And, Rob, I get your point that diversity's come a long way and that we don't need that kind of shock of, oh, wow, we've got someone of colour on television. But diversity hasn't reached an end point. You can always no, have no, more. No, no. You can always do more.
2: 100% yeah. agree with that. My only point here is Heartbreak High was originally an idea about diversity and ethnicity. Hmm. So as we go forward, that should just be a given in any show put on air in this country. And yet it's now, not, I know we... and that's the point. Exactly,
3: Malk. Exactly,
2: I Malk. understand that, Malk, but that is not a reason to commission a show, this, to say we're going to have an ethnic, ethnic diversity. You just said it was okay to commission it in the first instance. I'm going back to the 90s when it wasn't.
0: Okay, uh, but why uh, can't you do it again?
2: Yeah, all right, I, I, I'm obviously. But they'll go
0: the route. They'll go the route of sex education. They'll have like a gay person, a transgender person. They'll have lesbian relationships. They'll sure. have interracial but relationships. I would think
2: that there is a difference between something in the '90s and something in 2022. Mm-hmm. When you're put diversity into your cast by all means, but that is not the. That is not my reason to watch, whereas in Heartbreak High in the 90s, it actually was the reason to watch. I was seeing characters I had never seen on television.
1: Imagine the stories they will tell in twenty twenty two.
3: Exactly. Imagine. Imagine the 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 level and the stack on effect of what is now happening, Rob, is that there are less white people in schools and that's because Australia is a multicultural country and we need to represent that. We need to have a conversation <laughs> I'm that opens with that. that. I'm I know just you're not disagreeing. saying. and Rob, you're not alone. Like I after we had the show today with a feedback section reflected that people supported what you're saying. Yes, we get what you're saying. There's other shows on Australian television that probably were better and could have a better reboot for Netflix, you know, and you're saying that Heartbreak High wasn't one of our biggest shows. And I get all of the points that you're going on that, but what we are all now, what seems like on this podcast is getting up on you, is not. It's just that all of us are agreeing that there's a certain sector of the Australian public that are not being represented in television and we want to see that. Uh, And on that, we agree
2: and i support that 110%. what i'm saying is that is not why you commission a show. you commission a show on a good idea and then fill it with diversity. show all these faces but you don't say you don't say we're doing a show based on diversity.
4: but they haven't said that That, have they we're still not sure what the idea we're still not sure what the idea of the show is
2: read between the lines and that was what heartbreak high was in the 90s they have not given us a point of difference to what it's going to be in 2022 but you're right they've got two years to sort it nostalgia looms large i know it does but netflix in overseas is doing big concept shows We're bringing back Heartbreak High. Oh, well, tickle me impressed. Well, as we have discussed previously, there will be a significant delay to next year's Australian Open. And Nine are now looking for a discount on their $300 million five-year deal with Tennis Australia, claiming this is a change to its broadcast agreement and they are concerned it could affect flagship shows like Married at First Sight. Sarah... I cannot think of a better outcome for Nine than getting the tennis into ratings, you know. This, I'm calling BS on this. They're trying to get a reduction in cost. Great, good on them, good luck to them. But to say this is adversely affecting them when they're paying top dollar for a summer sport that isn't part of official ratings, give me a break.
0: Do people care that much about the tennis? There are lots of
3: people who care about the tennis. It's actually quite interesting to me because I'm not a big tennis watcher. Um, I don't mind going if I get free tickets because I'm a Melbourneite and I can go along and and watch something like that. Um, Yes, I'm a total wank. But um, I will say that tennis does play a really big part in bringing athletes to Australia and bringing dollars to the country and I think that there's some real value in sport there. I think that what Rob's saying is, you know, hilarious because... Channel 9 know damn well that the ratings is going to go up for them having the tennis moved into it. So anything they say makes them sound ridiculous. (laughs) I want to know, I honestly want to know what is going to happen because... You know, are they going to start maths and then go on a break? No, maths and then will go, go
2: after the tennis. And and Michael Stevenson pretty much said that last week in the uh, interview we did with him, that he'll go tennis married at first sight. You wouldn't bring married at first sight back before ratings start. And let's be honest, uh, the timing really couldn't be that much better. The tennis has been moved by a couple of weeks and it's in the heart, you know, in the heart of the beginning of ratings. It's perfect.
1: It does mess with their schedule a bit. I absolutely acknowledge that. It's... Echoes of Channel 7's now very legal fight with Cricket Australia. Mm. And I can understand that 7 and 9 are both wanting to save a bit of coin wherever they can, and here's a very direct opportunity based on the nature of their contracts that say, if you move it or change it, we get to get a discount, basically. That's effectively where yeah, we get to come at you with some, give me well, my really, money back. Well, really,
2: 9 really only have a case if the dates are locked in. In the contract, if there's no mention of Which I'm sure they that...
1: absolutely are. This is like Grand Slam international tennis. The nature of those contracts would say that it will happen on these mm. dates for the next five years, for sure.
2: I I just don't know about that, Mock, because there's usually some kind of provision mm-hmm. that if there's some kind of event that gets oh, in the way of it. Mate,
1: Right, asterisk, I am no lawyer. There are all sorts of exclusions and conditions and all sorts of things that will be in that contract that turn it from a two, you know, A4 sheet of paper deal (laughs) that I would think it is into reams and reams and reams of papers with barristers and lawyers and all sorts of people involved. Guaranteed, there are conditions and stuff and all. And that's what Nine are leaning into in this I'm sure. I don't think they're going to press Tennis Australia hard as as much as Seven are pressing um, Cricket Australia for their little turnaround because they're not as desperate. I think they're just looking for it. Here, give us some coin back because it's being moved, because it affects our schedule. Ta-da. I think that's it.
2: Yeah. All right. Now it's time for Hatches and Dispatches with Sarah.
0: Rob, after calls to add a disclaimer of fiction to Netflix series The Crown the streaming service has denied such requests saying we have always presented The Crown as a drama we have no plans and see no
2: need to Ooh. add a disclaimer
1: can we file that story and people are stupid like that's <laughs> insane I know well, it's good I'm, I'm obviously thing, a wow. stupid
2: one monk because I watched The Crown and uh, while it was a drama I assumed it was based on historical accuracy
1: because the people are called the same things and look like the same things as the people that are in it.
2: Did you think the same for robbery figures? Uh, no, because it's integrated with real footage from the time of the Queen's visits and things like that. And it is... Then why isn't it wildly different? Why, does, why doesn't Prince Charles just turn into an alien? You know, like, it... Oh, sorry. God, we, it is that's presented, next season. Shut up, Rob. The lizard people. <laughs> it is presented as a fictionalised <laughs> account of the royal family mm. and I don't think it is... I think it is really mean to say to any viewer who takes it at face value that it is accurate to call them stupid. I, it's I not. not that's
3: mean. It's not to say that they're stupid, though, Rob. I mean, I, well, I, I just think that's...
2: Did. I just did say yeah. people are stupid. I think
3: agree, it's though. They real. No, but I think Malk's language is a little bit harsh. But, I mean, at the same time, I don't think we need to classify everything... You know, I don't watch The Crown. I'd Not for one second have I watched a second of The Crown thinking it was accurate. It's a highly dramatised version. And there's no cameras in the room when the Queen met Margaret Thatcher. You know, look, at the end of the day, it's highly speculative and I'm not saying the word stupid. I don't want to stupefy anyone by saying that they're an idiot because they don't know this. But at the same time, it's a highly sensationalised drama for a Netflix series which is rating really well. It's no surprise that actually as the series has gone on, the licensing has actually... Been been probably more abused you know like we've seen probably more things taken to a higher level for ratings and that's okay and if Netflix want to classify it the way they want to classify it that's okay too but I, but I, there, I,
0: I there was that tv show the royals um mm. which had uh, Liz Hurley in it which was fabulous um <laughs> but you knew that that was in no way shape or form in any way any type of reality. It wasn't real. But I think it. a lot of people, especially Americans, will look at the crown and, you know, they don't. It's
2: presented don't... as reality. Yeah,
4: it's definitely meant, like, if you ask someone what the crown's about, they're not like, oh, it's about the, like, it's kind of the royal family, but it's a bit of a spin off of what they did. Like, you say it's about the royal, like, it's about the royal family and what because happened with Charles put and a Diana. there. actual, and, factual events in there.
3: Correct. And... You but can't, that's okay. But you guys, can't have it that's okay to ways. put. You can or, put factual. It's a heightened. What? It, Shall we get I on think... with hatches and dispatches? Yeah, this is this is this has been a very different hatches and dispatches, <laughs> Sarah. <laughs> it's
2: back to you.
0: <laughs> One half of the Amy and Andy duo, Andy Lee, will host kids' game show The Cube on Network Ten. The show, originating in the UK, will come to screens in 2021. With Andy Lee also serving as an executive producer. <laughs> In exciting news for Australian Idol fans, original judge, Marsha Hines, has said she is open to returning to the judging panel, telling the Herald Sun Confidential, never say never. The show will return in 2022
2: on Channel 7. This has been the loosest hatches and dispatches ever. Thank you very much, Sarah. Coming up in a moment, we're going to look at what we think were the biggest stories of 2020 in the world of television. And Ben is opening the TV black belt for one last time this year. Will you be able to guess who he's talking
1: It's the most talked about TV show that's not on TV. And I
2: think you guys are amazing. With raw, honest opinions. This it was made not made a mistake, a this was a lie. lie. Exclusive stories. Some industry insiders have been talking about this. Is that a Ben Robin Robbo exclusive? And plenty of famous faces. I'm not wasting these gold moments on 60 Minutes. <laughs> the Ben Robin Robbo show is
0: the new way to stream your news. This is the stuff that headlines are made of. Live every Monday to Thursday at 1pm Australian Eastern Standard Time on Ticker TV or Facebook and Twitter at BRR Show. Watch live or on demand. It's the ben, Rob
2: ben Rob and Robbo Ben Rob and Robbo Show. Well, this is our last episode of TV Black Box for the year and before we take a little production break, we've got to acknowledge it's been a massive 2020 for TV for so many reasons. Mulk, what stuck out for you this year? There's been a couple of things,
1: Rob, uh, that that come front to mind. One is just how well the Australian TV industry managed to, let's say, cope with the coronavirus. Yeah. Uh, And not just the news services and journalists and the people that had to be out there making it, reporting on stuff, but also the production teams, production houses, the people that make the things that entertain us, um, that really quickly had to work out how do we make television in a physically distanced environment.
2: The Mask Singer was a beautiful example of how you can get around COVID issues. They did a yeah. marvellous job with that. And,
1: that. and lots of people worked really hard, like The Masked Singer, like the team on Five Bedrooms, like you know, all of the production companies that managed to get TV shows to air. Uh, mm. Chef, you know, there's lots of them. Um, Better Homes and Gardens that did every week, you know, Gardening Australia that kept plugging stuff out. Because while it may just be a single person on screen, we know there's a tonne of people behind the camera helping make things go and do things, and they couldn't get close to each other and all had to wear masks and face shields. The block finished. In fact, started No Corona, Corona in the middle, lockdown, and then Corona, you know, physical distance after. it. There's all sorts of craziness. So yeah. that, that, that we managed to do that so well, and really, I'm going to say, led the industry internationally in trying to come up with ways to do that safely is a really great thing. Absolutely. Something that's not so great was um, TENS cost amputations. Um, Mm. that took place this year, you know, staff getting cut six ways from Sunday and not, and I mean this without sort of diminishment, not people that we don't know, but big name talent on air that Mm. got cut as they closed down three state bulletins that now take place in different states. Um, uh, You know, the the fact that Tim Bailey, who'd been with 10, like I think his entire professional life, 30-something years, um, nearly ticked to 40 basically got kicked to the curb. That was outrageous in and of itself, and the way that all of that played out was pretty horrible. Um, Mm. That kind of stuff, and we did see, again, in part because corona, in part because costs, uh, just the shrinking of the TV industry, but nowhere was it more obvious than at 10. Uh, And we know that that's only going to happen again next year, and I don't know what they have left to cut, quite honestly.
2: I think we'll end up seeing a national news Uh, If they're cutting that news service again, that's the only way they can go. So it's going to be very interesting to see. Abby, what were your big moments for TV in 2020?
4: Well, I had a few. So first of all, two shows that premiered this year that I was obsessed with. So Stateless on ABC was amazing and like cleaned up at the actors was just Mm. brilliant. Um, I May Destroy You was a show out of the UK, I believe, that was also amazing, Mm. um, which you can watch on Binge and Foxtel now and it's really Foxtel Go um, and it's just really, really good. I also loved the Australian Survivor All-Stars at the start of the year. Mm. Really good season, whole family loved it can't wait for that to come back and the tv coverage the like australian news coverage of george floyd and the protests afterwards was a big thing for me because i think previously i've seen australian media and just mainstream Mm. media in general try and kind of scoot around that stuff and avoid it but i think it was so in our faces that we just couldn't ignore it and i think that was a really big moment for everyone
2: sarah what about you what were the biggest tv moments or tv stories
0: um, I think there was a lot this year. Um, but I generally, I got burnt out of news mm. and I mean, I normally love the news and I still have to watch it in like small doses, but, um, everyone over here is just burnt out by the news between the election mm. and Corona and like the BLM stuff. And it's just constant, like the world is ending mm. things happening. And so, uh, I've taken to, um, watching as little as possible as I can, Um, but then still enjoying things like The Crown, um, Sex Mm. Education, like all of the TV shows. Um, None of which are factual. Yeah, but I I did a flip (laughs) because normally I watch the news all the time, don't watch TV shows, and this year I've switched to watching TV shows and, like, turning off the news.
3: Well, Rob, before I get to mine, I actually have been excited about hearing yours. So do you mind if you go first? Sure. Um,
2: So... To me, one of the biggest or most interesting stories for me was the return of Big Brother because this was a turning point for Seven. They had had a terrible first half of the year and this was the first brick in the wall that they were building for their future programming strategy. There was a lot riding on Big Brother. If that had failed dismally, from a perception point of view, yeah, that'd be the sad. The company would have had nowhere to go yeah. because it would have been a hard slog back. They needed Big Brother to work. They came back with what was a really good show, really compelling, and we know there were some production issues, but the way they brought it all together in the edit was they did a fantastic job and full marks to the production team on that. But from Seven's point of view, this was the show at, that James Warburton could stand up and say, I commissioned this along with Angus, and the others, but they could say, this is what we stand for as the new Seven. All the other stuff is from the old regime. Now this is us. And Big Brother came out strong. It came out well and led into the other successes that they had, whether it be Farmer Wants a Wife, SAS Australia. And I think Seven had a better year or better second half of the year because of the, the momentum Big Brother gave them. So for me, that is one of the biggest TV stories of the year. Ben, what about yours?
3: I think that was really well said, Rob. And you hated my series of Big Brother and everything that Channel 9 did with that format. So just so lovely <laughs> to hear that you got on board for the Channel 7 one. <laughs> uh, you know, I think that uh, reality television and the way in which it had to uh, roll with the punches with coronavirus was really what it, it was interesting to me, uh, you know, and the way in which they're now casting the shows that are filming at the moment and those decisions that were made to have an all-Australian cast in I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here. Uh You know, that they had to film I'm a celebrity in. Australia as opposed mm. to going to Africa and also the decision to pre-record so much became the thing that was of note to me. Mm. Big Brother being pre-recorded was a hard hurdle to jump and I do think that they managed to to get that hurdle yeah. uh, surprisingly. Not for all fans though. I mean we have to still be reminded that, you know, true fans like Malk loves Big Brother but he switched off for the Channel 7 version. You know, pre-recording shows is a new way forward but I really do hope that because of my love of live television that we don't completely lose that i hope that with 2021 that, that we will just take us we will take that step forward with the, some pre-records but hopefully we'll get an opportunity to take a step back and i think that that probably will happen but uh i think overall the the saddest thing about this year is coronavirus and i think that the biggest message out of it moving forward for people who want to play in television and want to play in that space is we need to do it smarter and we need to do it harder and i think we need to represent all people and whilst coronavirus was an unfortunate situation for so many people i think that's going to push the networks into making content that people truly want to see and and i think that is going to be smarter and cheaper productions i think it's going to happen
2: very interesting. Well, let us know what you thought were the big TV stories of 2020 and whether you agree with us or whether you've got your own. Just go to our Facebook page, uh, TV Black Box, or on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you, actually. In the meantime, for one last time this year, it's time to open... Boop, 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 Bleep, boop, bloop, bloop. Shh. shh. <laughs> the TV Black Vault is open. Bad sound effects and all. Ben.
3: Yeah, thanks for that, Rob. And Malk, I just am so pleased and so delighted that I got to share that sound effects from Rob for a whole 12 months. Uh, Hey, we could always go back to the old one. (laughs) 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 I love a good throwback, so that's kind (laughs) of good. Speaking of throwbacks, uh, this was the one from last week that was voted the most upon. One Byron celeb to ruin them all. One Hollywood A-lister apparently is being blamed. Blamed for everything that goes wrong in the town. Bookings below fat yoga surfing, long queues for chai lattes, and even the longest of downward dogs. Uh, Apparently anyone that is making a complaint in the small town of Byron is saying Nicole Kidman is to blame whilst... I think that's outrageous because I love <laughs> our Nicole. We should it's be, everyone's
2: get-out-of-jail-free card, is it? Oh, it's Nicole, the tall the poppy The line's syndrome. longer than
3: grocery store, Nicole Kidman.
2: Dare
1: we say that for every retailer in Byron, Nicole Kidman is their undoing.
3: Oh, I love it! That's <laughs> a bad. Pun. I I thought it was great. Yeah. Okay. Great. All righty. Well, we're moving on to this three for this week. Prepare for two all star series in 2021 as two shows are about to reboot their most popular contestants on their juggernaut programs, and surprisingly, they may go head to head. Ooh, interesting. Number two. Which huge name has put their name up for reality TV in 2021, thinking he'd be snapped up, only to be given the thanks, but we'll get back to you in time.
2: <laughs> <Gosh>. <laughs> we will get back
0: uh, to you in, ti- in, in time. In time. <laughs>
3: yeah. We'll
2: get back to you after we've shot the series.
3: <laughs> now, this is a really big name, by the way. This is a huge name, like somebody like who a big, really. Long name or Hang an on, Robert
2: Birchmore, name. We've already done this story. They didn't it's invite not... Robert Carroll <laughs> in the Seals. <domain. laughs> it's,
3: <laughs> oh, it's not.
4: Ronda, but look, I think, you know, for a lot have of people... been my but... TV moment of the year, Ronda getting snubbed for the 11th year in a row.
3: Oh, my gosh, yeah, that's It's a huge story. It's a huge story. Alrighty, right, I'm going to move on to number three. Someone is getting a fair amount of good publicity push coming into 2021, while speculation continues to grow that their co-host has been dumped. Oh! Oh!
4: I want to know.
3: Interesting. And I am going to say to everyone, thank you so much for all the comments that we have had on the TV Black Black Box page this year. It's just been so delightful to read them. Uh, And, uh, yeah, I'll reveal all three of those because I will be able to on the first episode back next year. Fantastic.
2: And in the meantime, I want to do a big thank you to everyone who has stuck by us through Thick and Thin listening to this podcast. A big thanks to Brookie, who was a big part of the podcast mm-hmm. for most of this year. You, um, Malk, thank you. And Sarah and Ben, thank you for being here week in and week out. And Abby, thank you for all your writing skills and joining us and helping us get everything together. No um, we really do appreciate everyone listening to this podcast, but we will still be here. There will be bonus episodes over the break and there will also be stories broken time and time again at tvblackbox.com. <laughs> <laughs> and guess what? You don't have to put up with ranty Rob for another seven weeks. In the meantime, we'll see you later. Merry Christmas, everybody!
4: Merry Christmas! Merry
3: Christmas!
2: Why am Bella I waving? Huck-a-Mega. Why am I literally waving? No one can I, see me. This, this
1: I appreciated the, reals, the waving. The I really appreciated it. Earlier, I don't understand what's happening. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable.